Jeff, did you watch that Star Trek trailer? No, I didn't. I told you I wasn't going to. But I wanted you, I wanted you to for podcast rage. Okay, cool. I can already give it to you. I, I don't need to watch it. I don't need to watch a fucking company sit there and shit and piss all over the greatest television show ever made, Star Trek The Next Generation, and <laughs> turn it into like Picard and whatever the new other one was, Discovery, and turn it into these violent gun fests of of just mind-bogglingly stupid plot lines and things that none of these characters would ever have anything to do with. I mean, Star Trek Picard took a diplomat icon and turned him into like just 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 ruined the entire character, stripped him of all his credibility. Fuck Star Trek remakes, fuck Star Wars <laughs> remakes, fuck that shit. Let these series die let it die but this one's a children's cartoon show the best thing that star wars ever produced was clone wars yeah and this looks bad though this looks like that trailer this trailer is crap i can't even begin to think that they could replicate that type of beauty again in this era of clone wars so i'm not i'm just not going to engage in any type of remake reboot i'm just i'm done i'm just i'm over it i'm sorry i'm sorry if that's an inflammatory thing to say maybe a lot of people are over it i don't know i just i don't want to digest that material anymore i think people who people who think critically about art are probably over it i think there's a lot of people who are just like yeah star trek like it was pretty good so picard was pretty good i've watched the newer movies 2000 star trek 2009 has some quality production jj abrams definitely knows how to go beep 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 he knows a lot about that. Um, he's good with lasers, but the uh, he's a I good mean, good action director. Yeah, yeah, Chris Pine, I guess, does a version of Kirk that's okay. I mean, he's a much more like I guess you could say swaggery than Kirk. I don't know. This isn't a Star Trek podcast, so I'm not going into this shit. <laughs> the movies are okay. The second one, the movies, it, are, the movies are all right. The second the, one has yeah. more, the worst script of the three. Yeah, into Darkness nonsense is hilarious because it's Benedict Cumberbatch acting fucking dodecahedrons around everybody else. See, I thought he was just as cartoony as everyone else. I did that. not. I, I thought he know. was the only redeeming factor of that movie. Would you say that this anger would spur you on to like a crazy journey across the Southland Basin of LA, just going nuts? On people, mm, I mean, not in the unbelievably ridiculous cartoon satirical world of L.A. that this movie Falling Down portrays. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> We're talking about Falling Down today. It's a movie from 1993, starring Michael Douglas, directed by the great Joel Schumacher, who people will know from his seminal classic Batman and Robin. Good old Joey um, Cobbler. And this is... Yeah, this is an Alex choice. So, Alex, why don't you talk about uh, what's what's the deal with Fallen Down and why'd you pick it? Um, so, as been has been mentioned before in some discussions that we've had outside of the the episode, 
Um, it was made 30 years ago, but it feels a lot more real in the world that we live in today, or at least the world that is presented to us today. But the reason that I chose it was because probably the most timid and most like the sweetest person in my entire life, my grandmother, used to play this movie for us all the time when she like ran out of movies to to show us when we were literally children she would put us in the tv room and just pop this movie in because she had the vhs and wait how old were you i was like six seven at the time oh my lord okay and i don't know why It, it was a movie that she thought was maybe in her words was like cute i don't know why She's an L.A. native, things like that. But, like, even as a kid, when I would watch this movie, I would get these really strong emotions of, like, sadness and, like, despair from watching this film, which... Well, yeah, it's fucking horrifying in a sense. Yeah, it is. But, like, it is very easy to not see it that way. It's very easy to see it as, like, oh, this is a fun little little action ride that we're going on. But... I don't want to step on your guys' thoughts about it too much. Well, but why don't you set up the plot before we go much further? So, Cut basically... Let me, let me take care of these fucking dogs, sorry. <laughs> All right, cool. The plot is basically a defense, like, engineer contractor. Who oh, works... we're waiting. We're waiting for Jeff. Oh, okay. We're just, we're just uh, going to hack this part off. Or not. Uh, do you have, like, a really erotic joke to tell me? We can <laughs> keep this in. I don't, actually fuck alex i'm trying to keep content going (laughs) you're failing me here come on the real weirdos they expect something real weird real kinky okay do you think michael douglas is handsome i've been trying to Uh, wrestle with that idea since we did the fincher episode uh i wouldn't bang him that answers your question although that uh, that could be said of most dudes i'm not gay or bi but but there are a few dudes who i'd be like yeah you know i'd probably get down with that but not Michael Douglas, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I, I don't know, he's not not handsome, but he's not like, uh, he's not in Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp levels. That's for goddamn certain. Yeah, I feel like... like what's, he, what's your take? I don't know. I feel like he falls in a strange tier sometimes where I don't know if it's his like personality that would make him handsome or if it was like his looks. I would say his father was more like classically handsome oh, than yeah. he was. But Kirk Douglas is like chiseled, sculpted man. Yeah, right? Like Action man. But something about Michael Douglas, I don't know. I feel like he fits in like maybe a Sean Penn realm of handsome. Where it's yeah, like kind of weird. Their chops or their personality makes them handsome. I, I really... He's got a nice like spirit to him, I think, that yeah. I don't know, is maybe like sensitive. He'd maybe be a sensitive lover. I'm not sure. <laughs> what do you think, Jeff? What do you <laughs> What do you think, Jeff? <laughs> Michael Michael Douglas, yay or nay? Like to fuck him? Is he handsome? He's like a mummy now. No, not now. He's like a living corpse. <laughs> He's like seventy five now. I mean, yeah. like uh, like in the early nineties. In falling That's, down? No. Those Alex's questions. Yeah, he looks like a dickhead dad. Like no. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? He's got a dad bod in this movie. This is this was his best fucking form. Mm. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I, I hated Michael Douglas in this movie. Okay, well, we'll get to that. We just, uh, we we're making content while you were dealing with dogs cool. oh, yeah. to Sorry. keep it going. I um, have no idea what the no. fuck's going on. 
It's all good, man. Um, so Alex, what's falling down about? So yeah, it's about like a defense contractor engineer guy who works at like a big, like Boeing, Northrop Grumman, one of those big companies that, you know, they were making a lot of shit during the Cold War. Basically, he works in the military industry and the Cold War ends. This movie is made two years after the fall of the Soviet Union. And it's about a guy who basically gets told at his job, like, because there's no longer this giant tension between the West and the godless communists across the other side of the world that he's not needed. So he's driving home. And this is also in the midst of his pretty big familial relationship problems with his ex-wife and his daughter. So he's trying to make it to his daughter's birthday party. And anyone who's ever driven in L.A. knows that that is not an easy task to do in the middle of rush hour. He's trying to get from like inner city L.A. out to Venice Beach. And he is sitting in the sweltering heat of his car when traffic comes to like a standstill. And he gets out because he's like, fuck it, I'm over this. And he decides to walk to Venice. And that starts a insane journey. Yeah, it starts a it starts a violent rampage across LA yeah. where he's just like he's confronted with all of these everyday obstacles that we deal with especially in LA I would suppose. But but just generally like human American obstacles like people being dicks or like not serving breakfast like 5 minutes after <laughs> the time that they serve breakfast and him just like like whipping out guns and like going on a violent sociopathic rampage. It doesn't start off like John Wick rampage where he's like, he has the guns and everything. It's like he, it's almost like a, it's like a Dungeons and Dragons, like yeah. one shot campaign where like you play this character and you just start acquiring skills, I guess, confidence items like, and his anger just slowly grows as he goes throughout the city. And yes, it, it starts to get more and more violent and like, blur the edges of a guy just losing his mind to like becoming like an actual target of an investig police investigation. Yeah, and he's he's constantly calling his wife who wants nothing to do with him has a restraining order against him because of his violent personality and tendencies. Mm -hmm. And him getting more and more psychotic and like thinking that he's still with them to the point where when he finally does end up with them he's like completely snapped and doesn't understand like what's going on and the the people he's murdered and like all the chaos he's sown and it's like really really depressing it's a really depressing statement about the way society and culture can just throw you away when it's done with you and like the devaluation one has or feels from society and from like just the human zoo around you which can feel very impersonal and can lead to snapping like part of the reason why i said in the notes that i sent you guys before is that like why this feels like an even more timely movie today than it did 30 years ago is because like people are snapping like this every fucking day these days mm -hmm. more and more especially in america exactly like we we have like we're almost inured to the fact that there's like violent rampages every day gracing the headlines. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I liked this movie, I think, but I was very, <laughs> I was very on the fence about it. And I still kind of am 
because I, I enjoyed watching it. I actually did like Michael Douglas' performance. I thought it was pretty nuanced and textured and interesting. And I do like this commentary because it's a very true commentary about how like modern life can make you snap. Mm-hmm. But but I don't know if that's like enough to justify it. And I also, like I said to you guys before, the reason I sent you guys the commentary that I did before the episode for the, for the sake of conversation is like the, the way that this film was presented to me throughout the years, and this is the first time I've actually sat down and watched it, was people saying like, you got to see this awesome movie. Like this shit's really cool. He goes on a rampage. And I'm like, all right, that sounds fun. But... I didn't understand what it was and the fact that it's been presented to me in that way for so long, I feel like is a problem, you know, cause this is not a kind of, uh, these are not actions to be lauded going on a sociopathic rampage against regular people is not like, if you think that's cool and that's why you like this movie, you have serious problems and you should see a psychiatrist <laughs> like for real. Yeah. Um, Jeff, what did you think of this movie? Falling Down is a very interesting film. I kind of agree with you, Jesse. It was a movie that I didn't quite know if I liked or hated the whole time I was watching it. I There was times where I kind of wanted it to just end. And then there was times where I was like, okay, well, like the story is picking up and I can, I can get along. The second half of the movie, the second and third act are definitely, I feel like, the stronger part of the film. It's a little slow and kind of sloggy to start i do agree with the rpg narrative i very much saw him like upgrading his gear he like you know he gets the bat from the store clerk and then he upgrades to the switchblade and then he upgrades <laughs> to the guns and it's like but the way that the world is portrayed is i love the way la is portrayed it captures the heat the smog the color the weird kind of sepia color that la is at all times because of the the, the haze uh, it captured and I really liked how when it would do these big wide shots of LA, it would be jungle music playing. And it was yeah. very much like the concrete jungle. Like this is the jungle. This is where animals live. And like yeah. you become one of the animals. You either become predator or you become prey. And like that's where I was kind of seeing when Michael Douglas is like, I'm the predator now. Like I'm done being prey. And I, I think that's where a lot of people will latch onto this character. Like a taxi driver, like a Joker type movie where you start identifying with the villain and then there's supposed to be a change. I kind of believe that there's supposed to be a flip where you're like, okay, he's the bad guy. Now I really like uh, Robert Duvall's character. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. And it does that well. But the, the danger in that is I think a lot of people don't do that flip. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, I'm, I'm on Michael Douglas's side. He's the one. Like, he's the one fighting back against a ratherly... A ratherly, a rather poorly. <laughs> just put those two words together. That's staying in. Um, a rather poorly <laughs> portrayed version of the kind of seedy world that is L.A. Like I, it felt very satirical the whole time. All of the villains felt very cartoony. They were very much exaggerated versions of like the L.A. gangster, but in the wrong way. 
Or the Nazi guy yeah. who runs the little like like pawn shop. It's like how the many offensive words can we make? Shop. Yeah, how many offensive words can we make this guy say in like the little bit of screen time that he has <laughs> to make sure you know he's a Nazi? They really beat you over the head with these archetype of villains, and it's like, yes, movie, I get it. Like the world is kind of gnarly sometimes. I try to like to keep a positive attitude about it, but yes, it is a little gnarly, and there's an aspect that is true about all of these characters that he interacts with. There is the shitty, annoying, fast food employee that's like, no, we don't serve it. It's 11.35, fuck you. It's like, but Big Daddy already did that, I think, funnier. <laughs> and, like, that's Adam Sandler. <laughs> it's It really comes down to, like, the L.A. gang members really was set the tone for me. Like, when he starts, he's sitting on that little rock, you know, that's, like, the iconic little rock in Angel Hill. And he's pondering his actions in the store and you know I think if he obviously if he would have been left alone right there he probably the movie would have just ended you know mm-hmm. but the, the, that was the big catalyst to flip him I believe was these two gang members asking him for a suitcase but they didn't act like LA gang members like they're they're, they're such movie gangsters yes oh, like Alex God. you know LA gang members like they oh, would have just God. come up and punched you in the face and took your case like there would have been no talking they have a knife you have a bat they would have taken a few hits of the bat to just stab the shit out of you they don't care about that yeah they would have like a bat strike i mean you wouldn't have got like a clean i don't know i obviously it's a movie i get it like we're sitting here but it's the characters are just too satirical of their versions of their la counterparts like the gang members the army support side even the cops like all the cops are just so la cops yeah you know just like so handsome and tall and open chests and no we don't give a fuck about anything fuck you pendergast <laughs> like they're just all like broy cops like everybody is a satire and then you keep the camera turns and you have now all of a sudden this like really dark intense real story between a man and his family and it switches between these perspectives too much for me well this this speaks to joel schumacher as a director who i mean i haven't seen all of his movies i've seen enough to know that he can be pretty tone deaf at times this is probably one of his better movies i would say i think it uh i think it's it's up there but um yeah the the satirical it almost feels like this is trying to be a black comedy that's not funny. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes like that. Like uh, when the two gang members are yelling at the girl, and they're like, shut up. And the other one says, shut up. And then they say, shut up at the same time. It's like, wait, what? What is this mm-hmm. like a National Lampoon's movie all of a sudden? <laughs> there's also, I want to point out this plot line. So he's being like, he's doing his his trail of rampaginess across this, across L.A., and Robert Duvall, as a cop, is putting it all together. And it's his last day on the job. Have you heard this before? Yep. <laughs> um, and the movie points this out. It's like, oh, you know, your last day on the job. Cops get killed, blah, blah, blah. And it, it's, I, I almost wondered while I was watching it, like, what, what is the point of this plot line? Right? Because you have, like, what's the arc here? And how does it relate to this overarching narrative? Because Robert Duvall, it's his last day on the job. He it's set up that he has an annoying wife, and mm-hmm. their chi- their child died at some point from sudden infant death syndrome when she was three years old, which is strange. But the payoff to this is like Robert Duvall. For one, he 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 is the hero at the end. He talks, he talks. Um, what's his name? Michael Bill. Douglas Down. William Foster is his character's name. 
oh, okay, William Foster. Um, he talks him down and and plays the hero at the end. But the big payoff to his character, and this is like this was so '90s to me, was like after being annoyed by his wife the whole day on the phone, he tells her to shut up, and I'll be home. I'll be home when I get home, and make sure my dinner is hot and ready. Keep the skin on that bird. He hangs up the phone. And gives the weirdest fucking shit-eating smirk I've seen in quite some time. And I was like, what? Was that supposed to be funny? Maybe maybe it was funny in 1992? It was very it just, it B-movie was moments. It was so a very B-movie. Dated. Yeah, it was, I don't, it, was, it was dated for its time. Like, I don't even think that, like, that fet would feel dated even in 1993. Like, that was such a... Like, uh, what was that show? I, I'm not. I'm not good with like sitcoms. What's the one with the Married with Children? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right it, it to the moon. Much, yeah, it felt that kind of thing. Like he was just like, I'm gonna tell you what to do because you're my wife and I'm the husband. I'm now attaining the role that I was supposed to have in the beginning, thus creating a more rounded character arc. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and that's his character arc. And you're like, okay, what does this do for the movie? That's my question to the two of you. Like, how does this fit into the narrative or does it at all? I don't think it does. Like, does does his arc... I think that it does, but I think it goes off of something that Jeff was saying where you have these two men who are from a time, steeped in a time, if we can say that, where they're used to, like, social guidelines and expectations to be followed. And they're from from times that are very old-fashioned, as we're like, they're outdated as they start to move into the 21st century. And that is kind of where I see both characters coming in, where you have these bro cops who Robert Duvall is just like, this isn't the way, like, this isn't good police, right? Like, this isn't how you're supposed to do it. And I'm on the, t- I'm like slowly eking out my retirement in this world that is changing and feels like it's crushing me the whole movie he's like i have to be soft and sensitive to my wife now and then with michael douglas too it's like they come from these worlds where they think that there's these social contracts that will like take place you know like this is the way that life is supposed to be like you don't charge a man 85 cents for a can of coke and stuff like that and it's like they're getting hit with this reality of like no, the world is changing, and you guys are, like, getting left behind. Okay, I, I like this reading because... I like this a lot, yeah. So you're, because... What, I have a quick question, though. It's, like, it's just burning in my head. So are you trying to say that these two characters are parallels of each other, and that one is handling the, the, the change of the new world, the changing of the guard, Robert Duvall is handling it more elegantly than Michael Douglas. These are two versions of how to handle becoming, as they say in the movie, economically, um, what is it, not economically viable. Mm-hmm. I so think so. That? Okay, okay. That's a, that's a great read, yeah. That was my exact same thought. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was just burning no. in my head no, to no, ask yeah. him that the yeah, whole time. Yeah, me too. That's why we were stepping over each other. <laughs> we were both like, want to say it because we both have short-term memory that's fucking awful. <laughs> like, we gotta, we gotta get it out right now. Um, forget it. Yeah, no, no. I that, I like that read. That definitely is a, is a more strengthens the narrative. Yeah, they're a lot both more. they're both being picked on by the society that they live in. One of them breaks, and one of them handles it, and is like, you know, handles it in a sensitive way that uh, makes the movie end in a quote unquote satisfying way, I yeah. suppose, or like the best way it could have ended. I it guess feel, it feels like a team movie. Like I'm team 
Bill or I'm Team Pendergast. You yeah. Know? It's like, or yeah. Prendergast. He has the dumbest last name ever. I had to listen I to it know, like five right? times. He's like, is it Pendergast? Because Pendergast is, is a common surname, but yeah, Prendergast? It's like, what the, why, fuck? what the fuck? Why add the R? I know. Um, um, but yes, yeah, so it's like, it seems like an either or movie where you're like, whereas in. As far as most of the way that this movie's presented, because I was presented this movie very similarly to Jesse, more through the media than through other people, I would just see like this iconography of this guy in the in the button down white collar outfit with the briefcase and the shotgun, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the 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 movie poster art or you know the the scene where he's like pointing the Tech Nine at the dude mm-hmm. on the ground. It's like that like low down shot. That's such mm-hmm. a famous shot right there. Like I've seen that in so many different memes and other movies and references and people dressing like him. This this movie created such an icon of this this defense character. And yeah. um, and yeah. you know, that's I mean there's something to be said for that for the way that this movie has echoed as a cult classic through time because it is very understandable how somebody could snap in the modern world. And I yeah. think that's why it's why it's lasted as a cult classic that's still just just referenced in all kinds of different ways today. I think too the the revelry of the violence is like in the fan fandom of this movie and the following of this movie it's like starting to actually manifest or rear its head in today's current 2021 society you know see that that's where my problem comes in yeah which is scary which is really really scary and honestly just it's just sad like you take out the element of him like trying to see his daughter and his ex-wife right it's sad that people think like that they're entitled enough now to be like this is it this is the moment this is urgent like this is our 1776 it's like shut the fuck up there's there's like nothing close to anything like they they scream that shit as they check out of like some automatic cashier at Target, right? With their fucking well, ICs in their hand. Germany? Exactly. Like, and I can't get my my <laughs> grande latte frappuccino with kale. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like I will say another thing too. At this time, LA had a very severe issue with gangs, crime, and just poverty. At this time, well. In the past few years, (laughs) LA has done like a lot to try and remedy its image. But in the national spotlight in the in the nineties, it was like Bloods, Crips, gangster rap music. You know, definitely, yeah, NWA, like that whole kind of yeah. And that's where you get, I think, the like caricature gangsters. Now it's just like like a thousand miles of Skid Row and plastic people drinking smoothies. Yeah, which is but the plastic people are conservative as fuck. Yeah, in its own sense, it's like, like I don't want to wear a mask. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it, L.A. is a horrendous shit piling hellscape. Yeah, um, but the, and this movie just so brilliantly portrays that, and it can show how this the city can eat you alive, and how it has done so to many other people who have fallen. Michael Douglas. I mean, this is very on the nose. So I'm not like it's not like this is something I've sussed out michael douglas is slowly decaying into the people he is hating mm-hmm. in this movie and i think that's more of a, a representation of what la does to you than 
what the world does to you. This movie is so very LA focused. Is like these big concrete jungles can swallow people and regurgitate them into things that they don't recognize themselves as anymore, which is what happens to him. He he's sitting there with the at the gunfight with Robert Duvall, the the standoff, and he's like, "Am I the bad guy?" Uh-huh. And Duvall's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "That's an oh. interesting moment for sure." On the pier, that, yeah. That yeah. earns that earns it a lot of points in my in my estimation. And to the point about LA, yeah, you could have had this take place in almost any major like industrial hellscape city, but having it be LA has something pointed about it. Like there's there's no better choice, is my point. Because LA is oppressive. That's the thing, is like other it's 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 a city that is very talked about and very like built up. But I mean, I'm and I'm sorry, Alex, but it's not Everything, it's like there's very small parts of LA that are very beautiful, but mostly it's just a fucking desert. It's just oh. a smoggy desert with no water. Like it's, it's not. Just a it's hot. What are you, what are you, what are your general thoughts on LA, Alex? You live there. It's the typical simultaneous, like Jeff was saying, you have like the most, se- the, the seediest parts of the country inside of this giant, like megaopolis of. I mean, it has history, right? But, like, the history of L.A. is also marred and tied with the seediness of L.A. It's like a seeping wound of a city. It's, I don't know, it's it's hard to explain being from here, but it's very, I don't even know how to say this, but it's like, it's the air is, like, thicker in this city than it is in other bigger cities. You like, when you, when you draw breath, it's like, man, something is going on in this place, and I don't know what it is. We have a thing called the L.A. River that is literally just a concrete aqueduct. Like, it's just an interesting place because it was like, it is like the crowning jewel of the sick, sick fantasy of Manifest Destiny, right? It's like, we made it. We're out here on the West, and we're just going to suck everything out of life here. Well, I'm a I'm a big fan of the concept that like psychological energy leaves an imprint on a location. It definitely does. You can feel it with houses. Oh yeah. You can definitely feel it with like areas or cities like like Florida is a good example. That whole place is just this festering swamp of psychosis. <laughs> and like LA is just like the energy of 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 human degradation and broken dreams. Exactly. Mingled, That's another big thing, yeah. Mingled with this like I don't know, like the richest, hoity-toityest, strangest society in the world that was birthed from Hollywood. That that strange mingle of energy is very unique to LA. It's a city with very little middle ground. It's a, it's a city of extremes. It's either on one side, you're either super impoverished, skid row type stuff, or you're, you know, living in Beverly Hills. And that's not actually the case, but that's the the aesthetic that LA has cultivated for itself. It's almost a it's like a, when you fly over LA, it's like when you look down on it, it looks like a bacterial infection on <laughs> on the land. It looks yeah. like cancer. Uh-huh. And cities in general look like that. The way like they're kind of the way they kind of spread out like a cancer. But LA, everything around it is desolate. You can see it's like it's aftershock creeping out and like grabbing resources all around it. And you can see that it's like starved for water and smoky and hazy. And like that's so captured well in falling down. Like the, they captured LA and that oppressive haze 
and the heat. Oh my God, everyone's sweating in this yeah. movie, and you feel that. <laughs> and it's like that's amazing. The aesthetic of this movie is top notch. It's just the the screenplay is leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like I'm still on the fence about it. Uh, for it being having a lot to be desired, I think it does and it doesn't. Like I think, like I said, the reason that it's echoed for so long and still remains such a cult classic is very seeable. It's very graspable. You can see it in Michael Douglas' character. Like I said, the the news reports of people going off the handle all the time now. But but. I wonder if it's I wonder if this is a useful movie for society to have. You know what I mean? Like like we were talking about this earlier apropos the Joker and people and you've talked about this before Jeff. Like people will see the Joker and they'll think like, "Oh, that's the good guy." You know, and that's not really the message you should get from that. It's more like how the the ills of society can create a psychotic person and that's the takeaway. The takeaway isn't like you know, just go on a rampage and that's cool. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and I mean, that started with Taxi Driver, you know, like Taxi Driver kind of started that where like everyone really identified with that character and, and, and really wanted to be the one that that took out the phonies and took out it, but it's just not. Yeah. 1970s New York also had that image, right? Of just being like the mafia and the gangs yeah, and stuff like and just that. Just infested mean, with drug users and like it was dangerous to walk out on the street. Taxi you had the just summer the best of version of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just the, it's done perfectly. Yeah, Taxi Driver I think has less of the 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 bleed through of of I'm a Travis Bickle kind of thing because that movie is so brilliant that it's it's hard to. A lot of I think it's a hard. With Travis Bickle, man. Yeah. Well, them. I think There's it's. So many people sit in the mirror. You know, you talking to me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, mean, I don't like know. Classic. I was I wasn't alive when I came out, so I can't exactly say. But and maybe it's just the fact that it's just such a better movie than anything that's ever tried to do it. That that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's a, it was a, such a unique idea at the time. Well, not super unique, but like so uniquely told. And I think a lot of people try to capture that essence again because it's a good story to tell. And Schumacher... And it's a very human and American essence. I loved know? the family narrative. Like this, when the movie... When he would call her and the things he would say are were terrifying. They were mm-hmm. like... They would like twist my stomach. Like the way... He's like flat delivery, and she would like be like, "No, don't come here." And he'd be like, "Oh, I'm coming." Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, whoa, like that's fucking terrifying. And then we go to like an almost slapstick scene in the in the uh, fast food joint of him like holding it up, like, "How's your meal? How's your meal?" <laughs> I didn't mean to trigger sensitive, trigger sensitive. Yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> I, I get what's going on. I get. That these things that you're showing are showing he's not a criminal. He's like learning this as it's happening. But it's just presented in such a silly way that's hard to take serious. I like and the scene where he's de- where he's describing back though when he gets the burger and he's like, What is this? He's oh yeah, like, I mean, we've look all... at that look at that thing. It's nice, plump, juicy, crisp lettuce. <laughs> he's like, What is this? And have you noticed that it's a constant theme that the children are the yes. ones who are uh, 
so innocent and naive to the the world around them and mm-hmm. the things that are oppressive that they approach each situation not quite understanding the gravity of it. You have like him sticking up the whole place and he's like, can anyone here tell me? And the little kid like raises his hand. Yeah. And then you have him trying to shoot the bazooka and you have the kid like telling Telling him him how how to like (laughs) open up the fucking bazooka and like how to play. And he's like, oh, you press the trigger, but like aim it first, man. And he like shoots like, do you you think, do you think that's a comment on like desensitization? I think it, it might be. I think it's more just a comment on how children are blank slates and it's about what they're exposed to that then like creates who they become like these little moments in their life that they're, cause the whole time with the final scene with his daughter, I'm like, this little girl's like scarred for life. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter. Like she'll put to, even it doesn't matter if she didn't see him get shot or like understand why he had a gun when she's 16, she's going to put two and two together and be like, Oh shit. My dad was about to like kill us. And yeah. like, that's, that's scarring for a child. So like, I felt bad for all the children in this movie. They I was just like, oh god! The I felt bad for everyone in this movie. It's true. They don't except have like, those gang members. Yeah, <laughs> except the gang members, except the cartoon gang members that are straight out of a '90s movie. Hey man, you're on our turf. I you're know. gonna have to pay I a know. toll. <laughs> and I'm like, hello, movie. Yeah, and the way know, they like seriously. talk to each other, they like confer <laughs> with each other. They're like, you're gonna have to pay a toll, I think. And he's like, yeah. Don't you yeah. think? Yeah, I think. It's like, what the fuck? Like, That's what I what's... mean. Is like across the United States at this time, you had like news channels like everywhere playing like, oh, another gang violence in LA or like the gangland LA thing. You have Rodney King getting beaten up. So people have these weird images, like these really hyper distilled images of LA in their head. And it made its way into this movie with those gangsters. I don't know where Joel Schumacher's from, but he like probably was just like, yeah, this is how gangsters talk, right? Right. Like, That's what I was going to say. It's like, like, let's not forget this movie was made by affluent white people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, and in the early 90s. Their so interpretation like, of LA. Yeah. And it's also, I also wonder if the movie could have even been made if it wasn't borderline satirical at times, if it was just this like stripped down narrative about a person flying off the handle in the way that Michael Douglas does. That's something you could do now. You'd have very to, easily. You couldn't make Robert Duvall the hero. He's too lovable. He's too like nice and sweet in this movie. He would have to be like some hardened cop that's like going to take this guy out. Like it would have to like devolve into that type yeah, of action. There would movie. be no comedy at all. Yeah. There would be It would be more he would he would have killed much more people from the beginning instead of working his like way up to murdering a Nazi, which you dirty don't really feel bad about. You're like, okay, cool. He murdered a Nazi, whatever. Yeah. It'd be like a David Ayer movie or something. But like he I, kills the only person he kills in this movie is of no consequence. Well, he kills the the hilarious Nazi guy. That's what I'm saying. The only person he murders is of no consequence. Who is reading the greatest book I've ever seen? It's called Swastika Bitches. And oh. it just has like some Nazi ladies with their tits out. Oh, I saw <laughs> I that. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I want a copy of that. I had to pause and rewind. I was like, what were those books he was reading? And I was like, that's funny. Oh, uh, that I mean, funny. do you think those were real books or do you think those were just <laughs> no. like props? Yes. The, okay. The I don't know. Is, Actually, I don't know. Like, obviously, there weren't real versions of those books. Do you think those were real, like, books of, uh, at one point in the Nazi world that they, like, recreated in the prop? Like, I Nazi don't know. I'm smut. Looking, I'm, I'm <laughs> looking up if, if Swastika Bitches is a real book. <laughs> well, it's just, like, yeah, they, that, that character is very satirical, like, kind of L.A. skinhead. You know, you're in this, like, what people consider a very woke area. So he's very, like, 
cagey about it, but like it's also super offensively like I love when he's like ripping on the two gay guys. Yeah. Because those two guys could tear that dude in oh, half. I know. <laughs> like, like, they're so buff. I know. And I was like, oh my god, dude, why are you picking a fight? And it's like, oh, because he's got a gun. Okay. He's got a gun. And it's supposed to like I think that was supposed to be like the emphasis on like American big dick, big gun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because these dudes were like chiseled out of marble yeah they like just got back from muscle beach or some shit up yeah, exactly they like, were all like sweaty and just yeah. like, why are you fucking with these guys <laughs> and you know i i think that the thing you th- said about children is actually really interesting jeff because i think that they don't have like that personal mythos or ethos behind them which leads michael douglas to go on this rampage like where he's just like you don't fucking understand what I've done for this country and and society turns against me like this. Like same with Robert Duvall's character a little bit, but he does it more and just like, I'm fucking done. Right. He's like, I'm done with the police department. I just want to go home. Like nothing is the way that it used to be. And children in this film kind of play this role of just like, they're ready for the society because it is their society. It's their like ilk. And it's a really good read. I just feel like, the Nazi moment was like the one moment where Schumacher might've been trying to tell the audience like, Oh, like maybe, maybe Michael Douglas is the hero, you know, which happens in taxi driver, but just not as sloppily or like lazily in taxi driver. Right. Yeah. It's like, there is no redemption in my eyes for Michael Douglas's character. I just want to stop and say for a moment too, that like, I think the acting of him and Robert Duvall really do carry the film um i think if it wasn't actors that were so skilled or talented it would like devolve into like kind of what you guys are saying just like a flat dark comedy no this was a great this was a great michael douglas performance in my estimation yeah yeah i liked both of them i felt they both really just killed it he scares me like you were saying jeff yeah there are these moments where like you see the anger start to form in his like facial wait a expressions. minute wait a minute Jeff, when we started the podcast, you said you didn't like Michael Douglas. Can you elaborate? Did I? You did. Hmm. It's on record. Oh. Do you mean the character or like his performance? Like I don't know, like the like the like the actor? No, like in this movie. You said I didn't like him in this movie. Uh, I just didn't I don't know. It's hard to to describe. I didn't I thought his character wasn't as convincing. I found him to be like terrifying. He acted well, but I didn't find his motivations to be all that convincing. Like I just, he's just like, I just want to get home, and he would bounce back. And that's what I'm saying. The tone of the movie made the character not as solid to me because he would bounce between like super grizzled Walter White hard ass, and then like, oh, I don't know how to shoot a gun. You know, it's it, it was. I don't know. I just didn't feel consistent. There was not a consistent tone to his character. So at times it took me out when he would be, I just wish he would maintain a constant kind of thread. Like maybe he starts naive and then devolves into like this hard edged, but they bounce too much back and forth and it's just like, okay, whatever. Okay. Got it. I understand now. Yeah. I, I think I disagree. I think like, because you learn what his motivations are, throughout like it becomes more and more clear because it's like at first he's just like i have to get home and you're like okay what does that mean and then he calls the wife and doesn't say anything and you're like okay what's the deal here and he slowly learn what his situation is the fact that he's completely estranged from his wife and daughter the fact that he's been let go of the defense plant which was a nice revelation because he's carrying the briefcase 
and you don't know what's in it. And then he gives it to the gangsters and they open it or no, not the gangsters. He gives it to like the homeless guy who's like begging him for stuff. And he opens it and it's just like a sandwich in there. And you're like, what? And then you learn from his mom, he was let go like weeks ago. And she's like, where has he been going? Like, he's super scary. I'm scared of him. And so I thought the portrait of a man who like he's he's just snapped, right? He's snapped and he's capable of almost anything in terms of violence, but he doesn't have the know-how to shoot a bazooka you know <laughs> so he has to like be told that i thought that worked i thought that was consistent in a sense you know what i mean consistent in the in the sense that he's a man who is psychologically capable but not necessarily physically capable yeah i mean this this read makes perfect sense i do agree that they definitely establish him as a character i just feel it's a more of a, a less of an acting thing and just more of a writing thing i think if you just put a few scenes in different orders or maybe an editing thing i don't i just didn't feel convinced by his character the whole time i felt very taken out of place like i i i, I couldn't keep track of his motivations is he is he mad because america is changing okay that makes sense but is he mad because his wife divorced him or is he mad because his his job fired him is, is it all of these things all like, of it i think it, all of it yeah it's just it's not clear there's there's this movie lacks a certain level of clarity in my opinion mm. what do you feel about this alex I, as you guys are talking i think it's funny that the like catalyst for his anger at least in my opinion is like not any of these really big life-changing events but it's like the basic combination of la traffic and like heat like, <laughs> right. like if this was movie was filmed and that's like, what sets him over the edge is like, oh, are yeah. you actually working on the road or are you just doing this to make money? <laughs> yeah, it's like he, the environmental like factors that go into having a bad or a good day in LA really do hinge on how hot it's going to be that day. Um, if it's really hot and you're around Skid Row or the Garment District or anything like that, you like start to smell the city's underbelly. And it's like, ugh. What does it smell like? <sighs> Sewer, dust, cigarettes, and just car pollution everywhere. There are a lot of factories too in LA on the on the coast out in like San Pedro, Long Beach area, like going all the way up Palos Verdes to like the South Bay. And it's like, there's the smell that happens and the fact that LA is a basin. It's surrounded by the San Gabriel like mountain range. So it like holds in on the coast all of this like stink and you have to drive a good 40 to 50 miles before you're outside of that sprawl it's i don't know it's really interesting because like everyone's been hot before right and like it does do something to humans and their susceptibility to turn to anger and quickness very quickly something about cold weather climates remind me of people who are very stoically calm <laughs> in the face like, of, of like weather events Netherlands, yeah, yeah. Netherlands and like Polish people. yeah i know I, exactly I, I don't i think it's a little i think it's not just the heat and the traffic i mean those are two major factors but i think it was just the infection of society around him because you have the two guys like arguing loudly on their car phone like mm -hmm. top down like two very LA executive looking dudes yeah. you know you have like the guy up like in the front like ogling the the chick on the 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 board what is mm -hmm. it the billboard you know it, it, he's like looking around ob observing 
you have this little kid just like staring him down from the back seat. Yeah. Like super annoying when kids do that. I want to talk about that billboard. I fucking love that billboard because it's like this plastic ass lady with her tits out kind of like her cleavage mm-hmm. showing. And there's just like a little cartoon guy caught in there and he's like, help. And yeah, I thought like graffiti, that was like, yeah. yeah, I thought that was a really great metaphor for LA. You're just like, <laughs> You're, you're caught in this fucking billboard reality mm-hmm. and you're like, help me get out of here. Help. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. They see that board again as well. And it like helps Duvall's character, like figure out defense is, is like, that was the car that he helped push in the beginning. It had almost like a, a guy Ritchie kind of feel to it. Like pre guy Ritchie. Oh you yeah. Know, like have this like almost like where like Duvall is like putting together pieces that he's already been a part of through like a comedy of errors. Yeah, exactly. It was very uh, interesting. It was like, oh, I actually pushed that car. So yeah. <laughs> and it was like this, and that was like the big turn, because then they got the license plate, which then they met the mom. They, that's really where they figured out who it was. I think the costume and the haircut go a long way, too, in going to my point about, like, Douglas's character almost being, like, stuck. Like, people wore those wire-rimmed glasses and had those little crew cuts in, like, the 1960s. Like, yep. it... <laughs> It's interesting to me that he still wears that from day to day. Oh man, I'm still watching a lot of like 50s movies. Yeah. And yeah, that's total dad mode in those movies. Exactly. Sure. Like, honey, I'm home. <laughs> he just has this aggressive dad energy the whole time. And it's just, <laughs> and it's just so like you could tell that he was just a horrible husband. And like the scene that really gutted me was um when he's watching oh, the, the home movies, movies. yes yeah. oh yes. man that hit describe me. it describe you know, it because, yeah, so he's, he's broken back into his house he's finally made it home and just his wife and child have narrowly escaped him through the back door as he's going in and you know he, he's frustrated that they're gone so he sits down and watches some old home movies of a previous birthday. So it's it's the the point, you know, is he's trying to make it to his daughter's for their, her birthday. So he's watching a video from a previous birthday and he's seeing the type of man that he is. He's getting a small window into how other people see him. But it doesn't quite go anywhere, but the scene itself still is very, very heart-wrenching. And he's basically it just goes. like... Yeah, it goes somewhere a little bit, but, you know, he's, he, he bought her a rocking horse. And she's a baby in this, his daughter. She's like two, she's probably like three or four, I would say, uh, in the movie. And I mean, in the present time, but the movie he's watching, she's like probably two, one. She's a little baby. And he's like, put her on the horse. And she's, the wife's like, she doesn't want to go. She's crying. And he's like, put her on the horse. He's like very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then like his wife's pissed. And this is where it hit me because as an angry guy who's been married for a long time, I've done this. And he goes, she's like pissed off because of his attitude. And she's like sitting on the pier and he's filming her and she's like obviously upset. And he's like, honey, why don't you cheer up? This is your favorite place. And she's like, whatever. And he's like, why do you always do this? And he immediately starts gaslighting her. Yeah. Like that was like, I was like, holy, that was like a little too real for me. I was like, holy shit. uh, I've done that. Uh, That's fucked up. And like, you could see him like be like, realize like, oh man, like I'm not a good person either. And that was just very like heart wrenching, and but I, then it kind of just fiddled the the ideal of that kind of just fizzled out. Yeah, I don't know if it was if if it was if it was more impactful for him or, but it was definitely impactful for the audience, and I think that's like the important point there. Yeah, I mean, you could see him like 
it, it, I don't think it was like a big realization, but you could see his like he was like kind of looking away and like look, there was definitely some kind of realization in his eyes. Something, something yep. going on there. There's yeah. lots of fun little, um, just off the a little tangent. There's a lot of fun little um, ad libs in this movie, as far as like um, like physical ad libs. Like I love when mm. they throw the apple at him, uh, and it's like rolling away, and he like kind of like half kicks at it, and then like he kind of misses and takes a chunk off of it, and it just like looks super goofy. And like that's absolutely an ad lib. Like that, there was not like okay. Now when the camera's panning away, just kick the apple that runs it, it by you. Fits his, it fits his character too, because you're like okay, you got this anger, but you just aren't quite sure how to direct it. So like, he just like really kick, well. He just sees the apple. And he's like fuck this thing, and he like but he misses, and it's like yeah. bad. It's like, so, like <laughs> exactly. It's just he was like it was like it just felt very ad libbed. And there's like a few other moments where it's just lots of physical ad libbing, like with the baseball bat and the way he's like tapping it on his chest. Or like the just the like when he's like pushing it onto each of the items in the store, you know, like it's just I feel like a lot of like Michael Douglas took a lot of ownership of the physicality of this character because he's very uh, monotone the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He has a very like just direct, almost robotic delivery, and the times that he does kind of change his inflection does kind of throw me because of the tonal shift. But yeah, there's a, a lot of physical acting in this role, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a great performance. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the strongest part of it for me. And and just the I don't know, like regardless of the reception and the way people have come to feel about it, whether I think that's correct or not, I think it is definitely a valid piece of art in its criticism of modernity. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely like it has worth and value. I definitely agree, and I think it's a movie that should be seen. It's just you know, when you watch it, I don't know, watch it however you want. Obviously, I'm not going to tell people how to watch a movie, but it's just like, I just get frustrated when people are like, I like that guy. Yeah. It's like, why, why, why do you like the piece of shit? I will say over the years, like I've actually been able to kind of separate the audience and like fan, the like fanship and their feelings about certain things. And I mean, this happened a lot with TV shows like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, you know, like after a while you like get really pissed off at like, not the piece of work, but the people who are consuming it. Cause you're like, you're not doing this right. But I've been able to kind of take movies like this and like hold it in a little special place in my own like mind where I'm like, this is what this movie is actually about to me. And I don't know. I don't let the, the voices around me influence it. However, again, I didn't have the same experience as you guys of people recommending this film in that way. Right. It was just like my grandmother being like, we're going to watch falling down, sit down, throws it in the vhs player and i'm like okay like yeah well our my interpretation and my the way i absorb a movie is definitely just based on my past experiences in general mm-hmm. and it's like while i commend the fact that you're able to separate it, it's just i for me like art has a purpose and when the purpose i feel is being carried in a way that's negative to the the idea and the foundation that the art is trying to represent it's like you someone has to be like please don't interpret yeah, the art in such a negative way. Like you're open to your own interpretations, but like, please don't take these these beautiful narratives and twist them into like stories about how cool it is to kill people. Like, just yeah. please don't do that. Yeah, that's why I gave the preface that I did. You know, it's like, and it's that's not the movie's fault. The movie knows what it is mostly. Yes. It's not a, it's not a perfect movie. It definitely has a lot of problems, like some tonal things. I think um, it gets muddled. But I think the core of it has a really interesting 
commentary for sure. Um, and that, that has value. Um, it's just, it is unfortunate that it's been thought of the way that it has, you know, or, or, um, perceived in, in such a weird way to me, you know, where it's like, like the glorification. It's like, no, this is not about glorification. This is a horror story about somebody like just snapping, losing their life. Yeah, exactly. Losing their mind, losing their life, losing control. And I don't know if and it's because down. it's yeah. and falling down. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because it's presented in a sort of like dark comedy way. Maybe that has something to do with it for, for people's like the distance they have from the reality of what's happening and their ability to see it as like a funny, fun thing, which is strange to me. I don't know. I don't know. So it's, an, it's a very it's an interesting movie. I'm glad I watched it. I recommend people see it, but like know what you're watching. I won't. I don't know. I won't do this a lot, but Roger Ebert, like he liked this movie when he came out, and I feel like I just have to read the end of his his uh his review here. Okay. Um, and he writes, what is fascinating about the Douglas character, as written and played, is the core of sadness in his soul. Yes, by the time we meet him, he has gone over the edge. But there is no exhilaration in his rampage, no release. He seems weary and confused. And in his actions, he unconsciously follows scripts that he may have learned from the movies or on the news, where other frustrated misfits vent their rage on innocent bystanders. And I think that he like hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, he's a great film reviewer, right? Like, I can't argue against like... Yeah, he loved the Star Wars prequels. What? (laughs) I mean, I actually kind of disagree with Ebert here. I think that you, I think he does quite revel in the death of the Nazi character. Oh, okay. He shoots him in the back three or four times, even when he doesn't have to. He's already stabbed him and immobilized him. Uh, He has the phone call to his wife. I've passed the point of no return. Yeah. You know, like I like I think he did revel in that a little bit. So I, I do disagree with Roger Ebert's interpretation. How whatever however uh, sacrilege that may be. <laughs> I think that the the worst part about this movie for me is it like it's obviously a big endeavor, right? If you're gonna make a movie about society, it's like you're gonna tend to kinda get wishy washy with your like focus. And you're like gonna have like so many things that you're trying to say. It's like when someone writes an essay, and you're like, you need to focus because you you have so much that you want to say that like, y- you just kind of go off the rails on some of the narratives that they're trying to build up. And I think that's what where we get into like some of the caricature type aspects of this film. I just think it's interesting because I don't think it was intentional at all. I think that Duvall and Douglas are like the most, some of the most realistic characters I've seen in the movie world in this weird setting. Like you guys say that feels so just like, yeah, it's like the essence of LA. It's like what you would buy if LA was like a perfume, right? And they distilled it down into this weird, like concentrated type of concoction. But I will say I agree with both of you about <laughs> movies that are violent today. Way to play the fence. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like, like, I guess I will say, I'll take back what I said about the audience affecting my view of films. Definitely with the Joker. 
that came out. I was just like, that, that's my. That was the same way. That was kind of where I pulled this from too. It's I, like it was such a good movie that kind of devalued. It was devalued because of yeah the, the audience interpretation, and that was such an unfortunate thing in such a what I felt was a very strong film. I wouldn't even call this movie a black comedy. Honestly, it made me sad. Like this movie always makes me sad when I watch it for both for everyone. It, it's it's more like it's is it trying to be a black comedy? I wouldn't call it a black comedy. I'd call it a drama. Like a, well, see know. this this comes back to the director Joel Schumacher. See the one of the interesting things about this movie that we kind of pointed out, but only a little bit, is that this is a rare, pretty good movie from a director who is generally not very good. Yeah, right. So <laughs> so I'd be curious to see this material handled by by like a Scorsese or or somebody who's just a little more I don't know, in tune with what they're trying to do and more able to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like well, I mean we've seen that. I mean it's called Taxi Driver. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> I mean, fair fair point. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that already it already exists and yeah. uh, and quite a perf- like perfect form as well. So I mean, he did Eight Millimeter, which I thought was a pretty okay movie. As I um, have not seen Eight Millimeter, it it has a god awful critical reception. Our our friend our friend Adam likes it a lot. He's been trying to get me to watch it. Shout out to Adam, by the way, because he listens to every one of these all really? the way through. Love you, Adam. He he sends a comment to me for every one. It's not just I like the podcast. He he says something specific about it. And a comment is like, I really agree with this or like something. Be like Adam. So shout out, shout out to you, buddy. Be like Adam. Shout out to you, my brother. But <laughs> yes. yeah, no. Comment, eight, please. Eight millimeter has a, a 19 meta score. Yeah, it's not <laughs> um, great. <laughs> it does not have a good score, bro. I have not seen it. Um, I'm curious, though. Oh, man. I'm and sorry. yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this and you listen to us, um, comment. It'd be great. It'd be great to hear from you guys because... We've had like one comment on YouTube so far, and it'd be it'd be great to have um, a little dialogue with you guys. Yeah, even tell us we're shit or something. Yeah, I like, mean we're small enough now. I mean that like we could actually engage. Yeah. With, with, <laughs> so please, I would love to like talk about things that people may di- agree or disagree with, and so yeah, comment. Yeah. All that kind Hit of stuff. Hit up the YouTube. Absolutely, gen- gingerly, press that subscribe button. Yes. <laughs> Don't smash it. Don't just, smash just gingerly it. Gingerly press it. Just, leave just, a just, leave just a nice erotic comment. Caress it. Um. Yeah. Do we have anything else to say about falling down? No, I think we've no. pretty much covered it. Any got anyone got any wrecks? Uh, Alex, you got some wrecks? No, actually, at this moment, I mean, I always give TV show recommendations because I've been That's like fine. watching a lot of them. But I started uh, Ozark on Netflix. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Which is actually like i think plays this black comedy yeah very very well i mean i don't know if it's just me seeing michael bluth but yeah no jason no it's yeah, definitely like, a black comedy jason bateman is like this is probably like the best performance i've seen him in oh yeah what's it about what's it about i don't watch it, tv shows uh, ozark it's about a guy who is a money launderer for like a big like crime organization but he's kind of very like straight lace and clean cut and very by the book and his buddy like kind of fucks him over by kind of doing some back alley shit and like mm-hmm. the big boss that they launder money for comes and like takes him out 
And so he strikes Jason Bateman, like strikes a deal with the guy before getting killed. Like, hey, I'm gonna, I'll launder you like X amount of money. So he moves to the Ozarks mm-hmm. to like launder money through this like meth redneck kind of town. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and it's like he's basically it's just a movie about a guy trying to like save his own skin while his family falls apart. And it doesn't get Walter Whitey or even like it, no, he, he doesn't become like a master of death and like more restrained than that he's he's very pencil pusher like yeah he's very much like a straight laced like nerd the whole movie yeah trying not to get murdered yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so i've been watching that and you know the wire is always on the back burner but movie wise um i've really I, i don't know what it is but i've been like really saving myself for for these episodes and these podcasts because it's like I don't know what it is. I just really want like a week or two days, three days to like really sit in the stink and stench of the movies that we watch to get like a good feeling of them. True. Yep. True. Now I have the same way. I have a hard time watching movies beyond the, the podcast. I'm usually oh. sticking to like YouTube or TV. Interesting. Or I mean, you guys know me. You guys know yeah. me. I'm watching a million things all the time. Yeah, You're burning through the 20th century right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on that note, I watched The Ten Commandments from 1956. Jesus Christ. Three three hours and 40 minutes. Oh, Um, fuck. And it's like... uh, It's a religious mountain. It's honestly not very good. Oh, God. um, Give us your abridged review. It's a weird thing to watch because it's like the early, early, early days of special effects. And it's like, I would call it a production more than I would call it a film. And this goes into how I feel about the director, Cecil B. DeMille. And like he does, he's done other movies like The Greatest Show on Earth, which is like about P.T. Barnum's circus. And like half that movie is just like circus shots. And it's like pretty boring. And this one is like, there's not, I mean, there's artistry as far as like the prop department and the, the whole huge production of it but you're not going to be like, oh, that's a cool shot or like that's really artistic or anything like that. It's just this big old production with the most obvious fucking dialogue I've possibly ever heard in a movie. It's all just like, I, I, I don't know. I wish I, I could have, I should have, um, I should have brought some examples, but it's all just this like lofty on the nose religious dialogue though for, for four hours. And it's like, it gets really boring. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I mean, I I really hand it to you, Jesse. Like, there's something about those older movies that I just, they're so slow and dry because of just the way that movies were then that I I just, I applaud your ability to even get through one of them. Dude, it it runs a complete gamut. Like, that's one example. But then, like, I also watched The Searchers by John Ford, which is one of the greatest Westerns ever, and it looks incredible. The cinematography is like breathtaking and has a lot to say. Um, and then like Hitchcock was doing amazing stuff in that era. Like it's easy to distill an era in your brain when you're not super familiar with it. But if you ever want to, I could put together a list of just gorgeous movies that will capture your attention. I it's think, not about really like this era. the way a movie looks. It's just the, the the way that tone was that around that time. It's just the tone is very dry and like I don't know. I, it's just I guess it's just But see that's a generalization. Of, uh, it's just an evolution of the of of the ADD that the technology world has created in my mind. It's like yeah. if, if things if the if the story isn't progressing in a speed that I think is like appropriate I'm just like, oh, I don't give a fuck. Get to the yeah. point. Like, well, 
I mean, apropos that, I also watched Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels for the first time in 15 <laughs> there we years. Go. Nice. Because, like, that's uh, a good one. We've, been ta- we've talked, like, distractedly about Guy Ritchie at different times in podcasts for the last, like, three weeks. So I was like, I got it. I got the fire under my ass to just go through his filmography because <laughs> we talked about how I I want to. Like I'm, yeah. I'm curious that I'd only seen Lockstock and Snatch and some a few others. So I went back and saw Lockstock, and man, that's just a shit ton of fun. Oh, it's just so like fun. Snatch. It's such a good movie. It's so, it's, I still it's so I think um I I love Snatch more. Really? Yeah, I do. But oh. but um but Lockstock has that like first time director charm yeah where it's, it's so made for British. like eight dollars it's made for like eight dollars and like it's just uh it's just wonderful <laughs> yeah it's, you it's, can it's see so him establishing his style it's still rough it's like the, the the stone that he will polish into a diamond and snatch yeah you know but I, it was it was a lot it was really cool i just lo- it has a a lot more characters for me and i just i love like the, the i love the ensemble cast yeah of that, like the like the main guys, and they're all, no, and then the Bobby's bits. I mean, like I said, that that whole section is like the reason I made my Discord that name. <laughs> I do love the brotherhood element of the four main characters. Yes. That that's a lot of fun. Snatch like, kind of has that, but it goes different directions. Yeah, it's more like a like a like older brother, younger brother. Whereas in like these guys are all like it would be like the same age, like pick on each other, and like like the whole comment. There's a lot of just like fun little themes, like calling Tom fat. Like calling him Fat Man the whole movie, like I don't know, just fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have any recommendations either. Uh, like I said, I've just been kind of in my own world of YouTube and video games, like I usually do. Yeah, no problemo. Yep. No problemo, bro. Uh, you didn't. So you didn't also watch the Ten Commandments? <laughs> no, I did not watch the Ten Commandments. I did not watch a uh, four-hour um, religious slog. No, yeah, thank you. <laughs> that's uh, that's what it was. <laughs> not I watched lie. the Passion of the Christ, and I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Jeff, you don't ever need to watch the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I can say this with some certainty. I'm glad. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't. I have the next movie we're going to be uh, talking about, though. Oh. You may. We may do this, or we may do another one. We haven't discussed. Oh, that's right. Okay, well, I might hold back then. Okay, we'll just hold back. Yeah, I'll just hold we'll back Just hold then. back. Yeah, we'll make yeah. it a surprise. It'll be a nice we'll little, make it a uh, make a little surprise. Cool. All well, right, thank everyone. You, thank you. Thank you, boys, for joining me, as always. Yep. yep. And thank you to the listeners, and leave us a sexy comment. Exactly. Oh, please, thank just you. Do it. All right. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Chicka-chicka-chipo. Now our podcast is done And we have to run We know it is sad But we had so much fun Don't be bereft Jesse, Alex, and Jeff We'll be back real soon The Real Weirdos We talk about movies For way too goddamn long Boo 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 boo.